and welcome to another Scotland's Choice Westminster Roundup in the week of the SNP's big opposition day debates. So of course we'll be discussing those even with you and giving marks for attendance to the other parties. But that shouldn't take long. It shouldn't <laughs> take long indeed. But Brendan, you know, talking about organising things and people turning up for things, you obviously have to plan your diary here very, very tightly, don't you, because of all the information you get in advance. Well, yes, it's, it's my, my job as, as Chief Whip, it's... it's uh, Trickle down knowledge. <laughs> so people trickle down knowledge to me and I trickle it down to, to our group, which works fine as long as the people with the knowledge to begin with trickle it down, which hasn't been happening lately. So we're all on tenterhooks waiting to find out what the government planned for, for next week. And it, it's often something that people say to me is, what are you doing in the next couple of weeks or whatever? But actually, you can't really plan your travel or anything because you don't know in a, you know, much in advance what's actually happening. We, we know roughly a week in advance of, of, of what is happening. Um, and it's it's a system which models alone. And that's subject to change as well, isn't it? Oh, I mean, it's, it changes on a, a hairpin, doesn't it? Oh, it can change hour to hour. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you can... You, my advice to, to people here is to plan nothing um, <laughs> and just... Just be available. <laughs> be available. And take... Take, take the, the Fitz Bulletin as general advice rather than <laughs> tablets of stone, but yeah. Apart from three like which are very severe about those. Well, I'm very severe about <laughs> But uh, no, so it's, it's a case of we don't know what's coming up next week because as yet the government don't know what's coming up next week. And uh, so as one of my colleagues said when I had to explain this to him five minutes ago, what a way to run a country. <laughs> and uh, I couldn't disagree. Exactly <laughs> so. Exactly so. So um, we've got, uh, quite a lot to talk about. As you said, it's opposition day debate week for for the SNP. Yes, and these are just sort of fairly big things on our calendar. It means that we get the, the 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 order paper to ourselves, and we can decide what we want to debate and what we want to talk about. And uh, you know, we basically control the chamber for six hours or whatever it is uh, on a, any given afternoon. So they don't come around too often, but when they do. We tend to make the most of them, and I think we definitely made the most of them this week. Mm. And we are really delighted to be joined this week by two people who were instrumental in that success. We are joined by Marianne Fellows, MP for Motherwell and Wishy, and Tommy Shepherd from Edinburgh East. So uh, the opposition day debate was rolled out yesterday, and it was we we picked a a subject which couldn't have been closer to the hearts of people across Scotland than the cost of living. And, and of course, big effect, to, you know, a big cause of the cost of living rise has been Brexit as well, so that was included there as well. So two really meaty subjects yesterday. So, you know, you turned up at the chamber there ready to speak. Yes, like I did. Like others, I was speaking in that debate myself. What, what was your impression of the way the chamber was laid out yesterday? Well, it was rather one-sided or even one quarter uh, of one side. <laughs> Uh, there was no Labour backbenchers there, um, no Tory backbenchers, apart from one <laughs> who turned up at the last minute, almost unannounced, and then, uh, you know, us out in force. So I think we had uh, Plaid, uh, we had yes. uh, an independent... Um, yeah, Claudia uh, Webb for... Uh, formerly Labour. Yeah. Former Labour. Uh, she turned up to speak as, as an independent with a couple of Plaid members. Uh, but, yeah, it was all... That was us. You know, that's, uh, I mean, it was, it's astonishing in a way because usually the Tories and the Labour Party berate us for talking about independence in these mm -hmm. debates, and then we actually decide for once we're going to talk about two 
big really topical issues, and they, they they boycott it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. yeah. Why would you reason. boycott a cost of living mm. debate at, at this time? I mean, it, 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 it's absolutely bonkers. Mm -hmm. And well, they did send in uh, Ian Murray. Um, which well, he had know. to be there. But, well, yes. He had to be there because yeah. they have to put, supply somebody on the front bench. Although, yeah. although I mean, you know, there's always a big debate about, you know, should we be spending the time here and doing the stuff that we oh. do in terms of procedures? And the argument always is uh, that there's a certain amount of things that we are obliged to do, given our status as a third party in Parliament, in order yeah. to get the funding. Yeah. Uh -huh. Same must apply to her, uh, His Majesty's loyal opposition. Uh -huh. They must... They got a lot of taxpayers yeah, funding so, yeah. to be the opposition. Mm -hmm. Surely there's an obligation upon them, mm -hmm. if there's a cost of living debate, mm -hmm. to send somebody who's the relevant front bencher, not even where, but the relevant front yeah. bencher in terms of the economy, to talk about that. Yeah. And I mean, I'm almost it's tempted true. to write to the authorities and say, <laughs> oh, well, we ought to yeah. check their short funding. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, I think as well, the fact that it's cost of living and labour are supposed to be for mm. people who are best, less well off. Mm -hmm. For them not to turn up and have a go at the government on this is just ludicrous, and I don't think it's going to. But but is this is this just the general sign of the Labour Party at the moment, where they just seem to be running away from anything that you would imagine you would normally imagine as their core, uh, you know, uh, principles. Um, you know, we, we've yeah. had the the famous uh, turnaround uh, in uh, you know the rejoining the EU and you know, from Keir Starmer tuition fees. And of course, last week, uh, we had Keir Starmer saying if he sounds conservative, he doesn't uh, care. then he doesn't care. But yeah. they are, in some regards, more conservative than the Tories. And Keir Starmer is fixated on keeping Middle England votes. Mm -hmm. And to keep it Middle England votes, you have to be anti-everything or everything, agree with the Tories on everything that they want, like the immigration, the small bill, the votes bill, all of that stuff. No matter how horrific and how much it must turn the stomachs, of really good die-hard Labour MPs. They, they want to be in government and they don't care if they have to basically turn uh, into Tories. I, mean, I, I do wonder about the, the strategy conversation that went on within the, the Labour group or within Keir Starmer's office where they decided to, to boycott this. Now, on the public order, you know, they could say, well, it's the SNP trying to call our bluff and embarrass us and all the rest uh -huh. of it. And not necessarily agree with it because they voted against public order bill from soup to nuts, you know, just three weeks ago. So that doesn't really hold water. But you can see how they would formulate that argument. What I cannot understand is how they got to the position that it would boycott a cost of living debate, you know, and think that the optics of a cost of living debate in which the government have to answer would be best served for the Labour Party by... Well, the, the, the all turning up dressed as green benches. Yeah, well, that, that's it. Uh, I mean, the nasty nats, of course, had to figure in that conversation of Keir Starmer's office because anything uh, anything that avoids having to jock to us in any, even indirect way, is what he is focused on at the moment. Because, But when it comes to, you know, push comes to shove, after the next election, we might not... I forget that they are not our chums and he might need us more than we need them. Mm, indeed. And you're right, I mean, you're just talking about the, the attitude of Labour <laughs> down here. You know, we, we've had many votes on many different subjects that we've gone into the lobbies on where you would imagine they would want to come and, you know, support and make a stand, but they've just not 
bother turning up in the lobbies with us either. So, but that was yesterday. I think was the most kind of uh, obvious and kind of um, you know, if you're looking at the optics of it, were very very clear. They hadn't turned up. Uh, the benches were completely empty, and it was just a shocking show, wasn't it? Mm. I mean, I've I've been observing the British Labour Party at close quarters for about forty five years. <laughs> Half of that time I was in it, yeah. um, and I have. I have never, ever in my life seen a Labour Party with such a lack of ambition to change the world around them mm. and, and to fulfil the historic destiny that the party was actually created for. It's, it's really quite, it's sad mm. in a way. I mean, they, they, these guys are making Tony Blair look like a radical revolutionary. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the strategy seems to be, I mean, if the people around Starmer are basically saying, you know, well, it doesn't matter. The people that want to change, they've got no option. They'll have to vote for us yeah. anyway. Yes. So what we need to do is don't scare the horses mm -hmm. in the middle and reassure all the Tory voters mm -hmm. that they can they can vote Labour and mm -hmm. they'll be okay, mm -hmm. right? And in England, maybe that's true, although a lot of people might just vote with their feet. Mm -hmm. When it comes to shoving, there's a lot of marginal constituencies where the Labour vote might not turn out. Mm -hmm. But thankfully in Scotland, mm -hmm. it's not true because people have an alternative. And you could vote for the SNP, which actually, in its social and economic policies, mm -hmm. is espousing what Labour used to believe in. Yeah. With the added bonus, mm -hmm. you can get control of your own country as well. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, I mean, so, I mean, given your, your, your past history, do you think that the Labour Party genuinely see Starmer and where they are now as being where Blair was in, say, 1995, where you know, there was a zeitgeist that there was something behind Blair that said, we need change, we want change, and this is a guy who's going to deliver change. Things can only get better. Now, looking from the outside at Labour, they're nowhere near that zeitgeist. But what else explains, if not that, their current behaviour? I think it's just a desperation. Just a desperation. So they've run out of... They've tried everything else, and now they're going to try this guy, and... The left or the dissidents in the Labour Party are just, you know, have taken a vow of silence and they're keeping their, their heads down to, to see what happens. But I mean, if you compare what's happening now with the, you know, the, the Blair project in the in, in the mid nineties, there actually isn't any comparison in terms of substance. Because mm -hmm. Blair, for all the fact that he was a, a charlatan that, that caused many people to actually <laughs> leave the Labour Party and the government eventually to collapse, had a lot of people around them. I mean, you know, Gordon Brown was working up plans for tax credits that we're going to shift mm -hmm. material income in society. Robin Cook was devising an ethical foreign policy. The whole thing was branded as New Labour, New Britain. There was a, they had the vision thing. They looked like an alternative. This don't, don't even look yeah. like no, an alternative no, and no, don't appear to want to look like an alternative. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the kind of infighting is still going on, but it's their left that's really a puzzle because they don't normally lie down. Mm. Uh, they're normally much more vociferous. I think maybe they've seen what happened to Jeremy Corbyn, what happened to others mm. on the left, and they've just been squeezed right out and are biding their time. It's interesting. I, mean, I mean, there are people around Starmer who, who are now going on the attack against what used to be called the soft left, mm -hmm. social democrats like us, left uh -huh. or centre. Mm -hmm. They're going on the attack. And, and I've heard these discussions where they describe them as the gateway drug to Corbynism. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so that, yeah. that's why they have yeah. to be eradicated. It's but it, but it's shocking. But some of their core supporters, some of the people who've been supporting Labour for decades and longer, uh, you know, in the unions um, at the moment, are very vociferous about the fact that they're deeply, deeply disappointed by the actions of Keir Starmer and, you know, keeping their MPs off 
picket lines and things like that, even yeah. though they're in opposition against this yeah. Tory government. It's quite incredible. But they're scared, you know, they, they don't want to even give a slight whisper to the horses mm. that they might do something sensible, mm -hmm. like repeal some of the yeah. harshest labour laws ever, yeah. um, because that, that might stop Middle England voting for them. And mm -hmm. I mean, there is a, in Scotland anyway, there there is a, I had a staffer who worked for me for seven, eight, oh, six years. And he got appointed uh, into a, a union as an official, um, a paid official. <laughs> and Richard Leonard said to me, what happened there? You know, I mean, an SNP ex-staffer getting to be a member of uh, a, an officer in the union. And I said, well, you know, the times have changed. And that's what Labour don't always get. Yeah, they because it, it, it's, there has been a creeping, uh, creeping uh, a move in Scotland um, amongst trade unions to disaffiliate, to, mm. to do all of that and to actually welcome folk with new ideas mm. into their ranks. Exactly. That hasn't happened here. Yeah. yeah. And it, yesterday, obviously, in the debate, um, you know, they, they, they had the opportunity to come and you know, lay at the door of the Tories, all these things yeah. that we're talking about in the cost of living debate. You were speaking in that day, yeah. debate, particularly about the... You know, and while we've been talking about Labour and their uh -huh. inability to look at reversing any of these horrible things that are being done by a Tory government, the Tory government is currently doing horrible things and not supporting people. And you were talking about the lack of support for disabled people yes. in particular, amongst all the great points. Yeah, well, that's my role as disability spokesperson for the group. And I have to say it's a privilege to be able to do it. And I've been speaking to so many disability organisations and they are absolutely terrified of what um, the white paper that the government's recently put out. But actually what really terrifies me is at the moment that white paper will not go anywhere uh, because there'll be an election. Yeah. But the fact that it's there just means that the Labour Party will possibly because of how they are acting, just, just pick it up and move it forward. Mm -hmm. So they'll do things like PIP and, mm -hmm. you know, turn workplace uh, work coaches and job centres mm -hmm. into mm -hmm. work uh, coaches and job centres or turn them into inquisitors mm -hmm. and gatekeepers for sanctions. Mm -hmm. And it's really appalling and really worrying. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I spoke in that debate myself oh. that I was keen to bring in the, you know, the still unresolved energy cost crisis. Uh, for people, particularly in your century here, Brendan, they, to, in rural communities uh, where, you know, I, I've just had a letter back from yeah. the government where I've really gone out to say, right, how can we work with you to get these things changed, to make differences for people on things like, you know, the uh, off-gas grid uh, people. So people have to rely on fuel oil and LPG in rural communities. They're not regulated at the moment under off-gem, uh, so there's no real protections from price changes and things like that said to me no so i wanted to bring that up in the the debate they're more interested in looking after the rights of suppliers than they are the rights of uh, people who are using this uh, but but there was also some really basic things where they they've indicated in the past that they would move and now they seem to be retreating one of them is the the issue that i've been chasing for many weeks which is getting people's credit balances returned from energy companies who you know just keep money the example i used them yesterday was a pensioner in my constituency had nearly £2,000 worth of credit and the company were looking to increase their direct debits yeah. uh, with it. And there was no offer, no direct opportunity to get that back. These things are still happening. They're doing nothing about it. And we heard in PMQs today, the UK government, Oliver uh, Dowden standing in for the Prime Minister saying how generous they were to Scottish uh, constituents and giving them £60 
uh, towards their electricity bills. Of course, it's funded from oil and gas. Well, yeah, uh, exactly, which was my question like, and my yeah. point to them. I mean, yeah. the, the thing as well is you, you wonder why Labour are putting up things like a social tariff, which mm. lots of disabled organisations are asking for, because that would make such a difference. And, and the reason I keep going about this, if, if you are just have a disability, and there are many families with a young child, and it requires three machines, perhaps, to keep them awake, keep them awake and alive overnight, and the, the cost of actually doing that, it, it, boosting their electricity stuff, is just phenomenal. Right. And the £150 extra on top of the 60 quid is <coughs> touching the edges of it. Indeed. Uh, uh, and if we can't look at, as I said yesterday, if we, and I can't get, I can't get my head around the fact that Labour MPs are jumping up and down about this as well. Yeah, indeed. So, so yeah. So we we obviously had two debates yesterday. Wait, wait, that was that was one. We had votes, of course. Again, we went through the vote lobby. I think it's important just to tie the first bit off. Cross the living uh, debate. Um, obviously, again, Tories voted on block. Used all the numbers to vote against us. And Labour Party yeah. didn't join us. <laughs> just, to, just to make it clear for everyone in time. Roundly gubbed, I think, was, you know, the yeah. football parlance on yeah. that one. Yeah. But uh, that took us on swiftly to uh, our second debate on the, the Public Order Act, um, which it was a fascinating, it was fascinating on so many levels, you know, that now that the Public Order Act was in and we had seen firsthand how it was being applied at the coronation. And given that the Labour Party had opposed it tooth and nail, everything that we'd said they agreed with and everything they said we'd agreed with and we'd all be through the lobbies together, you thought, well, here's an opportunity for us all to say to the, the government, we've seen it in action and everything we said we feared about this bill was proven correct, that it has to go. And we expected the, the Labour Party to agree, but lo and behold. And I watched... Tommy uh, speaking yesterday in that debate, and I thought you—I I think it'd be useful for you for you to recap some of that speech yesterday. Sure, it's fantastic speech. Both Marion's and Tommy's speeches yesterday. If anybody wants to watch them, get them on Parliament TV. But uh, Tommy, you were uh, you were pretty much on fire yesterday with uh, what you were saying. Kind of you to say so, Drew. But I mean, first of all, just to agree with uh, Brendan that if you remember during the debate about the public order bill, all of us, including the Labour Party, pointed out that the discontent measures that would curtail and undermine freedom of speech, freedom of expression, the right to dissent. Uh, and the reply from the Tory bench is, oh, no, it won't. Nothing to see here. This is just there. These are just operational requirements. Minor, the, police, the police need to be able to keep good order, yeah. right? And then we saw in the on coronation day these precise clauses. I mean, the clause about going equipped to lock on, right? Yeah. That was the basis on which they arrested Graeme Smith and five other yeah. organisers from the Republic organisation at seven o'clock in the morning when there was nobody around. Mm -hmm. And the equipment that they were allegedly had for disruption was the string that they had tied up their placards with. And they were held for 16 hours in detention. Yeah. And it is quite clear that the reason why that was done was to undermine the capacity of that organisation to mount mm -hmm. a protest on Coronation mm -hmm. Day. It was a direct assault mm -hmm. on freedom of assembly and freedom of speech. And as I said uh, in, in the speech yesterday, that this has exposed that, you know, 
I'm sure there are elements of the government that thought that they were, they were doing this to try and save the king from embarrassment. Mm -hmm. What they've actually done is embarrass themselves mm. because the British state and the British government have been embarrassed throughout the mm. world. They look like hypocrites. They look as if they're talking up the rights of dissidents in Beijing or, mm. or, or Moscow or wherever and locking up dissidents mm. in the streets of London. Mm. And it's, you know, it, it's unforgivable. But what's, what's also unforgivable is the fact that yeah, the Labour benches were completely empty. Empty again, I mean, yeah. Our motion didn't <laughs> criticise no, Labour. And no. It wasn't having a pop. No. It was just, it, it was a technically written motion yeah. that if you had have passed it, mm -hmm. would have led to procedures to repeal this piece mm -hmm. of legislation. Yeah. Now, I agree, we haven't got a majority here. It probably wouldn't have happened. But what surely would have been important was to send a message to the it's, world yeah. that 40%, yeah. maybe 45% of the parliament wanted this repealed yeah. even mm -hmm. now. Instead, mm -hmm. it looks as if less than 10% mm. of the UK Parliament want yeah. this legislation repealed. And that's, that's the Labour Party's doing. Mm -hmm. And David Lamig is on saying, you know, we might not have parliamentary time to repeal everything. Mm -hmm. We gave him the parliamentary time yesterday. Yeah, yeah. As Alison yeah. said in her speech, yeah. it's here, here it right is. now. Yeah. Yeah. All we have to do yeah. is vote for it yeah. and we'll get this it's in train. It's We're it's using it's our parliamentary time to make this happen for you. And yeah. it's just, I mean, Labour's reactions is just it's astonishing on one I mean, so the question is why? Mm -hmm. And I mean, you could only assume that, you know, McSweeney and the others are gathered around Starmer and they're saying, well, okay, we voted against this, but actually it's playing quite well in some of these constituencies. And, you know, the Tories don't like these, uh, these, these woke eco-warriors super gluing themselves to wherever they're super gluing yeah. themselves. And, and, and they said, we, we, we best just keep our heads down in this as they're keeping our heads down on absolutely everything else. Yeah. Uh, and, and they ended up being in this this ridiculous position and that's the, of not supporting yeah, the repeal yeah. of legislation they themselves and, I, I just want to pick up on one yeah. thing you were talking about there, Tommy, because this parliamentary time thing. I mean, you, Brenda, you're chief whip. Who controls the parliamentary time? If the Labour Party were in power... Well, it's the, 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 the government, that, that's part of the problem with this place, is that outside of opposition day debates, which are few and far between, the government control the other paper. They control parliamentary time. The government decides what happens and when it happens. Um, so the idea that you know the Labour Party wouldn't have the time to, if they came to power, to 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 fix this is utter nonsense. Mm -hmm. Because they would have our support. <laughs> the Liberal Democrats would support them. The SDLB, Plaid, mm -hmm. the Greens would all support them. They could get this yeah. through if they wanted to. But I don't know whether it's just for short-term political advantage that they've decided to abandon. Any pretense of having a, a principled position on this, I don't know, but that's. I, I, I think what we saw during the coronation was truly chilling, mm -hmm. and it is a signpost for the way that things are going to happen mm -hmm. uh, in, 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 in the future. And it's, uh, I get, you mustn't get too um, carried away, but the, you know there are. You were talking about being chilling. It is quite chilling because these things have happened in history where, you know, this basic chipping away of uh, human rights and people's rights, the protest has happened, and it tends not to stop, does it, Tommy? It's just, it, absolutely. it rolls on. Absolutely. And I mean, there were there were a couple of arguments that were raised against this yesterday that I think we ought, we ought to deal with as well. One is that the Scottish Parliament gave legislative consent for the Public yeah. Order Act, yeah. and therefore... The yeah. The legislative consent was concerning a couple of minor inconsequential clauses that were technical amendments to previous legislation before devolution, right? 
the main provisions of the Public Order Act do not apply in Scotland. Thank goodness. And to suggest that because of giving that technical consent to some mm. stuff that's a, you know that really isn't controversial, that that somehow means we have no legitimate right to criticise the rest of it, mm. is just mind-boggling and illogical. Well, yeah, it's a handy thing just for them to throw back. And right. Even and it's it, lazy, but it's handy for them. And, and, the, and, and the other thing, Drew, that, that yeah. Kit Malthouse and others yeah. were saying was that, um, Oh well, hold on. There's, 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 you know, there's public order legislation already in Scotland, which is every bit as restrictive as, as this. What you're doing about that? Well, a there isn't, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree that we probably should have a look at this, and and you know, it's probably an area the Scottish government ought to take a look at. But there isn't anything as egregious as the provisions in the Public Order mm -hmm. Act or anything near it. But the, but the bigger point in this, I said in the speech yesterday, is this: it's not just about the technical clauses and offences created in this piece of legislation. It's about the debate mm -hmm. that's going on around it yeah. that yeah. creates a political mood that has a, a has a psychological effect, both on police officers in the street who feel empowered mm -hmm. to be more robust, shall we say, in dealing with members of the public. And if, if ever an organisation didn't need that, it was the Metropolitan Police. Yeah. <laughs> but also psychologically amongst members of the public mm -hmm. who don't understand the technicalities of the bill, but they just get the impression that, oh, this could get a bit heavy, so I'm not going to bother. And that puts people off protest, and that is a big democratic yeah, problem. Interesting point you've just yeah. made there, Tommy. Do you think this is undermining confidence in policing? Um, you know, the, the fact yeah. that, you know, you've got these draconian things happening just now. They're being fed through this Tory government, as we said, you know, not not completely unsupported by Labour, and now you know are out there. Is is this? Do you think that's a, a problem? Well, I think the Metropolitan Police is undermining. Oh yeah, well they are. Anyway. But, I mean, you know, everything yeah. from Everard and, yeah. and 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 everything else is just it's just appalling. And and we we now seem to have a commissioner who, you know, he, he says one thing but does another, mm -hmm. and he yeah. doesn't really seem to be getting to grips yeah. with it. And now we have a, we have a piece of legislation which just turbocharges the capacity for overreach yeah. by yeah. by overzealous officers on the ground yeah. who are operating and doing what they're doing because they disagree with yeah. the protesters. It not was... to keep public order, not to prevent harm, yeah. but because they disagree with the protest. Yeah. And that is wrong. That is no role for law enforcement. And it ought to be corrected. And it's just yeah. a shame that, you know, yeah. Labour won't even consider doing that. There yeah. always has been a difference in the way police operate here. I remember talking to a colleague a few years back when there were the riots, um, and it's policing by consent, and that, mm -hmm. in the main, is how it's done in Scotland. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, it's much less like that. Mm -hmm. They, police here, feel much more empowered to say exactly and do exactly what they want, and they take less cognizance of the mood or the the people that they're facing, mm -hmm. and that's been evidenced by lots of different things. Like the horrible pictures of murdered young dumb women. Um, I'm not saying uh, Scottish police are are, are any are any different any great extent, but they don't have that same kind of edge, and they don't have the backing of the government to do that carry out that kind of horrible, absolutely horrible. Yeah, Brenda, I think you've got Thanks. the Avon lady at the door. I think I My moisturiser's arrived. By the truckload. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, the, I remember during the debate yesterday, I think that in, a, in, a, in an attempt to try and land a blow on me, I think it may have been the interesting to you, Tommy, when I lived them said, I don't know why the SNP have picked this uh, motion because this has nothing to do with Scotland. 
and which was robustly put in its place, as I recall. Tell us why this has everything to do with Scotland. Because, uh, for the time being, Scotland is still part of the United Kingdom. And in an area like mine, where I have an engaged and active community with many people who from time to time will want to protest about what they perceive as injustice around them, many of those injustices root back to this place. Whether it's campaigning against going to wars in other countries or getting new weapons of mass destruction or leaving the European Union uh, or, or pensions for... For, for women, no matter what it is, the decisions are taken in this UK parliament, so they will, by the busload, make the journey to the streets of London in order to protest about that. And I find it completely unacceptable. But when my constituents cross the Scottish border to come and exercise their right to protest, the level of protection they have in law is completely compromised and constrained as they approach London. That's why I want this legislation repealed. Yeah. Uh, I think that was... Uh... I think you used the phrase about the police robust. I think your response to that particular was, theory robust. was equally <laughs> robust. But it, it was something you're absolutely right. It, it had to be said. Um, but listen, I think time has caught up with us. Um, it's been a really, really interesting discussion. It's been great fun as well. And it just leaves me to say a massive thank you to Marion and Tommy for joining us this week and thank you to you for listening to scotland's choice westminster roundup you can get more episodes of scotland's choice at scotlandschoice.scot we'll look forward to speaking to you again soon